Thanks, Ken. Good morning, everyone. And good morning at home or on the beach or wherever you may be online. We are, as I mentioned, we're continuing in Psalm 23 and we're in week two in the middle of that uh, and we'll continue on into next week. Uh, it was mentioned last week by Andrew that Psalm 23, it's quite a uh, uh, quite personal psalm. Um, it's a lot of language in there of I and, and me and, and my. And uh, Andrew spoke about the, the Lord being the shepherd and, and David was, was to follow and following him. And as I have read through constantly this psalm and, and it's been on my mind, it, you know, it is one of those passages that is so well known and maybe sometimes taken for granted that we don't actually go back and look at it that often, but it's even in the secular world, uh, I think Andrew mentioned last week, you know, it's used so often, especially at funerals and uh, maybe it rivals with 1 Corinthians 13 for one of those passages that is so well known in the secular world, the, the ones for wedding and one for what seems to be for funerals. But it, it's such a personal a personal psalm of David's that uh, when he wrote it, I, I'm not sure he imagined it would be one that would be so well known by the billions of people over the ages. But I really see two things that stand out as, as being so personal. One is that David was a shepherd. Uh, he, he, he knew what it was like to be a shepherd and what the sheep required. And, and the analogy that he uses is so personal because he understands it and, he, um, and, and, and so it reflects on his own life and his own experience. But it's also personal because it speaks of his relationship with God. It speaks to his understanding of who God is. The unchanging nature and character of who God is. It's not the first time that the Lord is referred to as a shepherd. Uh, we heard some verses this morning uh, that Ken shared about the, the, the Lord. Actually, Jesus said that he is the good shepherd. Uh, Peter refers to the Lord as the chief of shepherds. We also see in the New Testament that the elders of the church are referred to as shepherds of the church. Uh, unlike Thomas, I've never looked after uh, sheep. I've never spent time in a paddock making sure their needs are met. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not sure if Thomas sleeps out there much, keeping the animals, predators away or... Um, but just from these few verses, without having to have that experience, we learn so much about the shepherd and the sheep, this relationship, the Lord, our shepherd, and we as the sheep. David, most likely uh, nearing the end of his life, around the time of writing this psalm, um, it's been said that it could be at the time of Absalom's rebellion and his, his, his time of overthrowing David and wanting to go after David's life. You read about that time in 2 Samuel, about 16 or 17, that chapters. And in that time, David's left Jerusalem and he's, and he's heading, e uh, heading east and he goes past a, a guy who's, who's 
part, it says part of the, of the clan of Saul. And this guy's hurling insults at David. And the bodyguards of David sort of said, yeah, let's pull our swords out, let's chop his head off, let's get nasty with him, you know. And I was thinking that we often are so quick to want justice for nasty words, aren't we? And avenge people with a bad attitude. But David's response was not that at all. And this guy, it says he was even hurling stones at them. But David's response was, maybe the Lord has asked him to do that. I don't know, but the Lord's not telling me to take his head off. Let's uh, leave him, let's move on and put up with that because the Lord might show favour on me. That's an interesting response. Maybe especially for that time. But with all his life experience and the things that he's endured and seen, he heads across the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives and with a bit of poetic license I'll take here, perhaps it was there where he says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The analogy was so easy for David, it was so easy because it was his experience, the shepherd and the sheep. Uh, we've heard this morning that the, the, the sheep, they're not the, the brightest animal, you might say. I, I don't, as I said, I don't know much about sheep, but looking into their character and their nature and reading up a bit about what they're like, and hearing what other people have told me, I, I see that they're not a bright animal. They're not probably in the top 50% of bright animals. But they're a timid animal. They're an animal that are scared of running water. An animal that wanders off so easily. They can't really protect themselves. They're vulnerable to predators of all types. They're vulnerable to the weather conditions. It's said that there are some sheep who roll over and don't know how to get back on their feet. <laughs> They're not that intelligent, actually. They tend not to be able to find their way back once lost. A pretty simple sort of average thinking animal. I can see Pat's mind is thinking, oh, we have so much in common. <laughs> well, you know, spiritually, all those things are true of us, aren't they? 
Without the Lord, we are very vulnerable. Without the Lord, we're lost. We don't know how to make it back to him by ourselves. We are in desperate need of protection, leading, guiding, saving. And as the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, he is all those things to us. Last week, we, as I said, we looked at the personal nature of this psalm and, uh, and, and the confidence that David writes it with. Not just personal, but confidence that the Lord is, not if or he will be or he might be at some time, he is my shepherd, David says. I shall not want. Uh, the result of the Lord being my shepherd is I shall not want. And not only is it a, a statement, uh, a declaration of the truth of who God is, that he is our provider. I also think that, it, and I believe it goes hand in hand with a personal decision of David's and a personal decision for you and I to make that not only will God provide like Philippians 4.19 says but I choose and I won't allow my mind to be consumed by what I don't have or by what's been taken away from me God will provide all my needs the Lord is my shepherd I will not want but I also choose to not desire and go after what the things that I don't have and allow that to consume my mind, my energy and my thoughts for right now. I shall not want is, is to be content with what God has provided for the circumstances now and to trust in him for what is to come. David wasn't perfect. We know that he uh we'll get to that in a moment but we we also know that david constantly trusted god david trusted that god would deliver him david was often seen to be content with his lot he experienced so much in his life he knew what it was like to be in that lowest of the low sort of position as a shepherd boy, the job that no one really wanted. And he was king of Israel. Within that, we have a man who lusted after a woman who was married and slept with her. And had her husband killed. He wasn't perfect. You know, maybe you haven't committed those sins that David has and committing adultery or murder or planning to kill. But maybe this morning you recognize that you haven't been content with what actually God has provided for you this morning. 
too much consuming your thoughts, consumed by what we don't have. It's so e- it happens so easily to us in the, the this this world in this context that we would want things that we don't have. The coveting. We see that the neighbours have a new car, or our friends have a house extension. Or maybe a university that didn't let us into the course we wanted, the the friendship group that we're not in, the family that hasn't accepted us. Whatever it may be, This morning I asked myself this question, I asked you this morning, are you content? Can you sit here and say, I'm content with what the Lord has provided? It's a hard one. I shall not want. Are you content with what he has provided and and then trusting in him for what is to come? And then when you get to that place, content with what he has provided. And again, trusting in him for what's to come next. The shepherd through Psalm 23 is described as uh, doing a number of things. And we won't get to all of them today, but we'll see a couple of them and, and through and then into next week. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Philip Keller, in his book, uh, A Shepherd Looks, in Psalm 23, he writes this, Sheep do not lie down easily, and they won't lie down unless four conditions are met. Because they are timid, they will not lie down if they are afraid. Because they are social animals, they won't lie down if there is friction among the sheep. If there are flies or parasites troubling them, they won't lie down. Finally, if, if sheep are anxious about food or if they're, be, if they're anxious about being hungry, they won't lie down. And rest only comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies and famine. Pat, we've got more in common with the sheep than I first thought. Uh, when I started this. I, I mean, surely no one gets to sleep if you think there's a bit of noise in the backyard. I mean, you've got a big backyard now. Imagine there's plenty of noise out there, Ordle Glen. Uh, often think the worst. Someone's actually in the backyard. It's probably just a possum or something or the wind. <clears throat> you know, that, the thing that really annoys me, that um, I'm a little bit precious when it comes to sleep. I, I need things to align a little bit before I can actually get to sleep. I don't just... Rachel might think I just jump into bed and go straight to sleep, but it, there is a few things that have to happen. The sick, the hate, I hate that single little mosquito or fly that just zzz, makes that noise. You know that noise? Zzz, just that, it's like, where is it? <clears throat> Can't get to sleep when that happens. I rarely go to bed hungry, but I imagine that that's hard to sleep. Um, 
on a more serious note, it's hard to sleep when we are in a bit of a fight or there's been anger or words said in a relationship that's important to us. As I thought about that, I was thinking, yeah, we are more in common with sheep than I first thought before I started looking at this chapter. And it's the shepherd who provides. The, the imagery through these ver- this verse and through the chapter is, is, is one of comfort. The image of peace and love. Uh, we, we, uh, we often like to do life ourselves. Isn't that one of the real stumbling blocks that cause us to fall and sin when we ignore God and we want to do life and handle life ourselves. The words through here of lying down in green pastures and leading beside quiet waters for us in the context of today is a wonderful metaphor for the word of God. See, when you try to do life by yourself, we, it, it won't take long, or for some people it might take a lot longer than others to realise that you're probably failing miserably, that you're lacking a lot of purpose. And eventually you'll find that you are so miserable and people will turn to all sorts of things to fulfil that void in their life. But we know, and I hope you know, that nothing compares to the relationship that we can have with God. Nothing compares to getting purpose out of life than what God provides and peace in this life that he provides. And as much as we might think there are green pastures in in places we go and, and things that we do and people we spend time with, there is nothing that compares to the green pastures and the still waters of being with God in his word and in prayer. Nothing compares. It's where God speaks to us, encourages us and teaches us. These four words are so interesting. He restores my soul. Don't know how many times we've read it, heard it, seen it. We, um, we've been in our place for quite a few years now, but one of the issues when we first went in and it was been an issue for a long time was our sort of our, our guttering and roof. The house is built and the roof's been there about the same time since I was born. Um, so it's it's not too old, but it's getting there, you know. It's been around a little while. 
And for a while, we've known we've got to do something about it. Yeah, we've got cracks and water gets through and it's an issue. So a couple of months ago, we spoke to this bloke and had a couple of quotes and spoke to a few different people and having a chat to this guy and um, one of the questions I asked him was, you know, what about a, a new roof? Uh, and I saw his eyes like lit, lit up a little bit and... These little dollar signs in his eyes came up. I don't know if you can see that. But after a short conversation, we, we, we went to plan B. We started talking about something else and he, he mentioned roof restoration. Uh, and so we talked through that and he said, oh, it'll come up like brand new. It'll look great. You know, it'll bring it right back. And, and that's what restoration, the word to restore means to, to bring back. Uh, to, to re-establish in the dictionary, if you look that up. It, but it, in the, the the Hebrew word is much deeper than that. It has a much more spiritual connotation to it, it about forgiveness and repentance. And this is so personal to David. These four words: He restores my soul. It's David's recognition that the Lord uh, has and continues to to rescue him and and save and and forgive him and rescue him and draw him to a closeness in relationship and fellowship with Yahweh, the God of Israel. Uh, I would have, you know, if it was the Mount of Olives, and, and this is where David sort of writing these words down or giving these words I, I, I was thinking during the week it'd be great to be next to him in that time to to hear him say these words and with his life experience and what he's endured and what how he's trusted God at times how he's failed at times and to sit with him and he says he restores my soul like what, what are you thinking David when you th- when you say those words what's going through your mind And I think we actually get a good glimpse of that. And I'll read the verses to you in Psalm 51. It's a psalm that David writes after he's committed adultery with Bathsheba and he's approached by Nathan. It's a psalm that I have read so many times and... I have related to these words so well in my life. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. 
Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David recognises, as I hope you do this morning, that being restored is not something you can do. It's not something that he could do. It's something the shepherd can do for us. We can't forgive ourselves of our sins. We can't draw ourselves closer to our God. We can't rescue ourselves. What David needed and what you and I need is to trust in the good shepherd to restore us. I know in my life as a Christian I have been in times and I'm sure you can relate of desperate need of restoration to be brought back. And the shepherd brings healing to pain, forgiveness to sins and purpose and life to each and every one of us who trust in him. Uh, this is not a maybe, it's not a, it's not a perhaps, it's not an if. He is the shepherd. He's my shepherd. I hope he's your shepherd. And he will restore you. We're going to pick it up next week uh, from this spot and uh, I trust that it's been a blessing to you this morning. Lord and God, thank you that you have not changed. The shepherd of David, you are the shepherd of your flock here at Montmorency and as your sheep we need to trust in you and follow you. I pray you'll help us do that, Lord, that we would rely on you for strength and direction, guidance, and to come to your word every day and into your presence with prayer every day to those green pastures and uh, still waters to find peace and comfort and love in you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.